Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Back in 2019, Cindy and I, we took, every year we try to do like a spring, like four days vacation, and we took a vacation. People had always said, you need to go to the Bahamas, and I wasn't real big on going to the Bahamas, but finally I said, Cindy, let's give it a shot. So we did. Well, needless to say, it was a wonderful experience. Cindy and I are beach people, and, uh, and we're low-key. We're, we're, we're definitely, well, especially now as a believer, we're not the party crowd. But we just dug into the sand. We had a wonderful time. But one of the features that was a highlight for both of us, at this hotel we stayed at, there was a water park in the entire complex. And I don't mean just, you know, you know a blasé-type water park with a slide here or there, but I mean one that competes with Orlando and, and all of the uh, places they have throughout that area. So because we were at the hotel, it was part of the amenities that we could enjoy. So we went over. Well, while we were walking through and taking advantage, you know, of the different water events and water activities they were providing, I saw one that towered and stood out above them all. And if any of you have ever been uh, to the Bahamas, you'll know what I'm talking about. It is a water slide called the Leap of Faith. Now, just to understand the leap of faith, it begins with a 60-foot vertical drop. That means the slide is just there to eventually catch you. 60-foot vertical drop, then it continues into an acrylic clear tunnel that goes through a shark-infested lagoon under the water, And then eventually empties into a pool, obviously, on the other side of the lagoon. So I looked at that and I said to Cindy, I said, I've got to do this. And I said, I want you to take a video so I can show the children, our son-in-laws, and the grandchildren that Pop, Dad, he did this. So there was a long line. It was a very popular uh, uh, event there. And so finally when I get to the top, and then the girl in front of me, for a fact, there was a few people that kept letting people go in front of them because they weren't quite sure. A couple even went back down the stairs. But I was there. I said, I made the climb. I'm there. I got to do this. And then finally, I heard that dreaded word at that moment, and it was next. With trepidation, I took the leap of faith. And guess what? I survived. Here I am to live and talk about it. Well... Life can be that way at times, don't you think? You know, there's something that transpires, and it's almost like life points at us and says, you're next. You're next. And because it's the unknown, there's apprehension, there's fear. But we know we've got to take the leap of faith. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Our response to God when He says that one word to us. Next. Do you know that God always calls people? That means you and I. When we are determined to serve Him, we want to live for Him. Many of us make that prayer in our 
personal devotions, maybe around the altars at church here, will say, Lord, I just want to love you more. I want to be more committed. Help me to do better. Help me to be the man or the woman you've called me to be. And we pray that prayer. Well, one way God gets us to that point is he takes us out of our comfort zone. When he says next, that means he's going to move us beyond where we are. We can't grow in our faith We can't become more passionate for him and a better person if when he says next, we're content to stay right where we are. There's never a status quo when it comes to our walk of faith. And so when God says he's taking us out of our comfort zone, that's when many people feel unqualified. Some people say no because, well, I'm just too busy. Others say no because they feel like, Lord, why in the world would you even think I'm useful in your hands? Have you ever looked at me? Have you ever seen me? I'm inconsistent. But I'm just grateful that God takes us with all of our inconsistencies. And because he's consistent, he brings us up to his level if we'll say yes when he says next. So the feeling of being unqualified is something we all go through. Look at the person next to you and say, I've wrestled with that. Just say it, I've wrestled with that. Sometimes we all feel someone could do it better. And in the text we're going to look at today, the prophet Isaiah, he struggled with these same feelings and emotions. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Scripture reads, This is Isaiah speaking now. God had just extended a call. And Isaiah says, So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Us, reference to the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Holy Spirit, just anoint your servant. Your word is already anointed. I'm the one that needs your help. Speak through me. Open the hearts and the minds of those in our auditorium, as well as those who are listening and receiving online. In Jesus' name. Amen. When God appeared to Isaiah, it was humbling. Can you imagine being face to face with the holiness of God? That's like, here's a comparison, someone that is a fitness, you know, a a fitness uh, guru and someone who is committed to health, they eat right, they exercise, they do it all. and, And then when they take off their shirt, everybody knows they do it all, right? They look great. They are a specimen of perfect health, and then if you get someone stands next to them 
who's not as committed or maybe not committed at all to the well-being of their physical health like that, it's very intimidating. Much like when Cindy and I go to the beach and when some of the other fellows stand next to me, they feel very intimidated. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so here's Isaiah in the presence of God. The absence of all sin. No defect. No darkness. God is light. And he saw himself in comparison to who God is. What did he see? He saw his weaknesses. He saw his inadequacies. This was a defining moment that would forever change the rest of Isaiah's earthly life. And when God shows up, even to us, there are moments, there are times, there are seasons, there are God-appointed visitations when the Lord will speak to us and reveal Himself. Maybe not just like He did with Isaiah, but it indeed is a visitation of transformation. So let me ask, do you feel at times like your weaknesses and inadequacies have disqualified you from being used by God. I'm convinced a lot of times when people say no to serving, it's not because they don't want to serve. It's because maybe from bad choices, they're guilt-ridden, they don't feel worthy enough to serve. Or maybe they feel just unprepared and they want to give their best because they love God, but they feel like, I would fall short, there must be someone who can do it better than me. See, I don't believe people just by nature want to look God in the eyes and say, not available. I really believe it goes deeper because that's how Satan works. Satan tries to make people feel that they're not usable in the hands of the Lord. And do you know in our, in our own abilities and strength, I mean, we all fall short, don't we? Do you know when I was driving here today, and last night as I was preparing for this message, I've been preaching for over four decades. But every time I stand, wherever it is, whether this church, another church that I've pastored in the past, conferences that I'm invited to, I feel very intimidated, even after all these years. I know God has gifted me as a speaker but I also know speaking's not enough. We can speak with eloquence, but if the presence and the anointing of God is not there, it only becomes entertainment. That's a good sermon, preacher. The worst thing you can ever say to me, that was a good sermon, preacher. When people say, God really touched my heart with that word. Then you ring my bell. And so every time I stand up to preach, even before today, I cried out and I said, Lord, I, I identify so much with Moses. Remember when God called him to lead the, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people? They weren't really even a nation yet. They were just uh, you know, millions of slaves. And God said, I, I want you to leave them out of bondage. And what did Moses say, Lord, unless you go with me, 
I don't want to go. He knew what he was capable of apart from God's help. And so that's exactly where Isaiah was. And maybe some of you, not only here, but some of you who are watching and worshiping. God wants to move us into great things in his eyes if we'll say yes when he says next. But here's the clinch. Until you deal with your past, you'll never step into your future. It's our past that holds us back. It's an anchor. We all have a past. We all have a history. I'm sure as, as parents, there are things you've never told your children before you came to the Lord that you did. I know my history has never been unfolded to my kids. I'm ashamed of some of the things in my past. Before I knew Jesus, some of the decisions I made. But that shame is what drove me to the cross. And he took my shame, my pain, and he'll do it for anyone that'll call upon his name. How many believe that? Say amen. amen. I know I believe that too. I say amen with you. So dealing with our past, it's important. And this is what God was doing with Isaiah. He was dealing with his past, beginning with my first point. Write it down on your bulletins. His sin. Do you know seeing God will change how you see yourself? Isn't it amazing how if we want to feel good about where we are, we always look for an example of someone who's less than us. We'll say, well, at least I'm not like them. Don't compare yourself with others because, you know, God doesn't. Sometimes maybe because we feel inadequate to serve, we'll look at someone that does it so good. Man, they, they, they speak well, they're organized, you know, they just, they meet people well, they're, they're more outgoing in their personality, and I, I, I could never serve, I'm not like them. God doesn't compare us to the person on our left or right. We're only supposed to be compared to Jesus. He is our measuring stick. He is the one that we pattern and shape our lives and our values after. That's why when we see the Lord, it will change how we see ourselves. It calls us to recognize our need. And this is what Isaiah encountered. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Let's look at that together. In the year that King Uzziah died, and you referenced this, Chelsea, in your opening. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of His robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw the Lord God of hosts, Jehovah, in all of His glory, he came face to face with the holiness and the wonder of the Lord. And he had to hide himself because he knew he could not even begin to compare with God. Isaiah saw the Lord. That's significant because when we see God, when we see the Lord, it changes us. In fact, all of us should be praying, Lord, Help me to see you for who you are in your holiness. Lord, I want to see you because when we behold him, we're transformed. You can't encounter the Lord 
and not be changed. And when Isaiah, just like us, when we see the Lord, we see ourselves, and it provokes a response. And that's what Isaiah says in chapter 6, verse 5 of the book of Isaiah when he says, woe is me. You know, woe meaning how small, how weak, how insignificant, how unworthy. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. How many of you, after you came to the Lord, needed the Lord to help your lips, your speech? Maybe the profanities that would find their way out through the mouth, and then all of a sudden, oops, I hope no one was listening. I know when I came to Jesus, He had to do a job on my mouth. I had my mother wash my mouth with soap when I was little. Trust me, I know the taste of Safeway soap. I'm dating myself, I know. But then when I came to Jesus, I knew the taste when God began to wash my mouth and He sweetened my speech. He made me think, be slow to speak, isn't that what James says? Quick to listen. Now we may not always get it right, but that's our target, amen? And the more we persevere to that finish line, the more we'll find ourselves obtaining that time and time and time again. So Isaiah, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. He says, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In other words, even his environment, Lord, I try, but sometimes I slip. Everyone around me, this is, that's what they do as well. The world is affecting me. And see, that's what can happen when we try to live life and, and not have that aspect of the presence of God. What takes place is instead of us affecting the world, the world begins to affect us. Our values, our decisions, our timelines, our choices, what we prioritize, all of it. And before you know it, because the world has a different narrative, then we even find biblical values, such as we're seeing right now, not only in our nation, but all around the world, where the Word of God is being devalued and even fallen people trying to rewrite an unfallen perfect message from God Himself. God never changes. Aren't you glad for that? That's why you can trust Him. If He gives a promise, take it to the bank. That check is good. Hallelujah. Isaiah had an eye-opening encounter with God. He says, my eyes have seen the King. And because of that, his life would never be the same. If I say the name John Newton, how many recognize him? Great man, great story. Newton began his life at sea serving in England's Royal Navy. When he finally retired and left the Navy, he started his own shipping company. Do you know what his primary cargo was? His primary cargo was transporting slaves from Africa to England and from England to the Americas. He couldn't run from the guilt and the conviction he felt of this sin, this moral failure as well. And he was so overwhelmed by all of it that he even attempted to take his own life. It was this encounter that then brought Newton 
face to face, like Isaiah, with Almighty God. And he repented of his sin. He changed, and he became, during that time of history, a great advocate of abolition, abolishing slavery. He also, because of his encounter with Jesus, he went on and penned the words to the great hymn we sing to this day, Amazing Grace. Why? Because he had experienced firsthand the grace of God that he did not deserve, but because of God's unfailing love. Oh, that fills me up. Unfailing love. Have you ever been failed by people who you felt loved you? God's love. Unfailing. He forgives. He restores. He grants mercy. I'm convinced that because the Christian church for decades has watered down the message of the cross, that people have continued to struggle with sins that they feel are too great to ever change, to ever break. And finally, they just give themselves over, still unable to deal with the guilt they feel. Then let's just change the definition now. It's just another lifestyle. There's nothing wrong. God is love. He will not object to this. And that's how people deal with sin when the church, God's people, His voice, His representatives, that includes me and everyone here. If we don't take in love, not like a bull in a china closet, not in an obnoxious way, but with the love and the grace, just like the men and women of God who are our heroes in this book. When we speak the truth, when we maintain in love God's standard, do you know that actually brings hope to those who are looking for a way of escape? There is a revival coming, but that revival is going to begin with the church itself, where when we get back to the basics, you know what? Sometimes I think we make church too difficult. God spoke to me years ago. He says, Craig, it's simple. Ministry is simple. Just keep it about me and about people. That's it. That's it. When Jesus came, he kept it about the Father and people. Ministry is simple. We give our best. We strive in a good way for excellence. But when it's all said at the end of the day, about God. It's about people. The Lord has prepared this table for all of you today. Time for you to hear His Word, be fed, to be encouraged, be strengthened, and at the same time challenged. God is saying next to you so you can say yes to Him. This is what's next. This is what I have in store. I have great things set aside. Your life can make a difference. There's more blessing waiting for you if you'll say yes when I say next. Oh, may we all say yes. Amen? Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, you're next. <laughs> John Newton, great man of God, 
Just like Isaiah, who was transformed forever when he encountered Jesus. And you know what that tells us? Until people see their sin, they will never see their need for salvation. Isn't that true? You ever say to somebody, you you need to be saved? From what? There's no avalanche coming at me. I don't see a car ready to run me down. Well, and that's why we need, it needs to be clear. You know, Paul said it, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, sin has a wage. There's a payday. How many of you, with your jobs, you, whatever time you're paid, once a week, every other week, once a month? I have a friend of mine who's paid once a year. But you should see his paycheck. But you look forward to that payday. Well, there's a payday spiritually with sin, and if not dealt with, that wage brings death. Obviously, we know it, it can create eternity in hell, spiritual death, but it can also bring death to your relationships, to your health, to your family, to your life, your finances. Sinful decisions carry a consequence. That's why God hates sin, because He knows what it does. And we people made in His own image, His greatest desire is to see us blessed, to prosper. You know, the blessing of of obeying the law of God says in Deuteronomy 28, it says, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come and when you go. How many want that kind of blessing? I'm waving both hands, my feet, everything. Hallelujah, yes. And that's what God desires, but if we say no, to his next. Then there's a wage, there's a payday. And God doesn't want any of us to have that kind of payday. In fact, do you know who received the entire payday for sin? Jesus. That's what the cross was. It was payday. It was payback from Satan. And as I mentioned, Satan didn't want to see the life of Jesus end completely. He knew if he died that he would have been guilty of taking innocent blood. He got that. But that was his last bluff to see if Jesus would take it all the way to the death. Do you know when they train our military, especially those in special forces, part of the training they go through is so intense, they actually stop the heartbeat where the soldier will die and then is resuscitated. And the purpose behind that is so that once their soldiers encounters death, if a combatant threatens to take their life, they have no fear of death. They say, I've already done that, and I'm still here. Jesus faced death. Satan knew if he took innocent blood, he would have been guilty and he would have lost. So he was hoping. He bet everything he had. That's why it's not good to bet. No winners when you bet. He placed everything he had, hoping and anticipating that Jesus would say, it's enough. Father, send the angels. That's why he was tempted. If you're the Son of God, ask ask him to send angels to save you. And had Jesus done that, he would have been disobedient to the Father. He would have become sinful. And then there would be no hope for those who are created in His image. What a wonderful Savior 
we have. And that's what salvation is all about. You know, the Lord did for Isaiah what Isaiah couldn't do for himself. He said, the Lord touched my mouth. Isaiah 6, 6 and 7. And with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips, the angel speaking from the coal of the fire. And your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Fire will always purge impurity. And that's why we've been given the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus made a way so that we, God's image, could have the indwelling presence of the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus did. Do you know why he was able to stand successfully against every temptation? Because of the Holy Spirit, God, the third person of the Trinity, who indwelt him. God, through the Holy Spirit, empowered Jesus to maintain his sinless state. And that's what our whole objective should be. We'll never be sinless in this lifetime. I'm not saying that. But what can take place is we allow the Lord to have more rule and reign in our lives and begin to access the, the, the assistance and, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit, His wisdom, His strength, all that He provides. He will help us move beyond those things that we could never move beyond in the past that were holding us back, that were detrimental. And then as we draw on His help, that's when we become more like Jesus. Why? Because we are now accessing who Jesus accessed during his earthly walk, the Holy Spirit of God. And he will touch your lips, my lips, our lips, with the fire of his Spirit. Change the way we speak. He'll purify our minds. Change the way we think. Change the way we live. Holiness is not a curse. It's a privilege. And apart from the Lord, it's, it's not obtainable. But with God's help, everybody say, with God's help. With God's help, all things are possible. Maybe some of you here or some of you watching you know, this broadcast, maybe you've, you've struggled with certain things. You're still struggling with it. Can't shake it. Maybe it's a pornographic issue, substance abuse, alcohol. You do good for a while, then all of a sudden, bang, it hammers again and and you become so disappointed and self-condemning. God can help you. And He wants to help you. And He will help you. Whatever it is. I've had people speak to me, Pastor, I just can't quit smoking. It's like this tobacco has a hold on me. God will help you. He will. Whatever the vice. Whatever the stronghold. People say, I've struggled with depression for years. I just don't know if I can go on. God will help you. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He's there. But we have to call upon Him. He's there. And just like Isaiah, just like Jesus, who humbled Himself by taking on human form, that salvation is available for all people. It's funny. A few weeks back, I spoke about Elijah. Remember after he challenged the prophets of Baal? had them all put to death, fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice. I mean, that was quite the display. We're still talking about it thousands of years later. It happened. It's not a storybook fable. 
It's an historical account of God demonstrating what he's capable of. And, and after that, what happened to Elijah? He became fearful. He ran and he hid. But then how did God minister to Elijah? Didn't he condemn him? God wasn't mad at Elijah. You'll never find anywhere in the narrative that God yelled at Elijah. All he did was pose a question. Elijah, what are you doing here? He was helping him reevaluate, self-assess. And sometimes we need to do that. We get so caught up in all of, the, all of the guilt after a bad decision. We said yes to the wrong next. And then we just can't forgive ourselves. And God says, Craig, Sally, Helen, Bob, what are you doing here? Why are you sulking and allowing yourself to remain in this depressed condition. Well, I'm the only one left. And God's response to Elijah was, you're not alone. There's 7,000 others that love me and serve me. But most important, I will never leave you. This is God. I will never forsake you. And that's what he's saying to you and I today. He's faithful. Even the worst of sinners, he saves. Isn't that what Paul said? 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He knew his past. He knew what he was capable of without the Lord. But yet, even though he referenced he was the worst of sinners, Jesus found him worth saving. And that's the way you and I are, and even those who have not yet come to know Him. That's why I love what Paul says. It's been a verse I've stood on and preached and shared with others throughout my decades of life. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I was one of those whosoever. How about you? We were all a for whosoever, but Jesus came. Jesus came to save us so he could do what? Send us. God saved us to send us. Look at what the Lord says to Isaiah in Isaiah 6, verse 8. Isaiah says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. You see, when you have an encounter with the Lord, like Isaiah, like John Newton, and like many others, then we just feel so grateful that we have forgiveness and God has restored my life and given me a future. When the Lord says, I'm looking for someone that will be available for me to use, to make a difference through. And Isaiah's response was, here I am, send me. Isaiah had a story to tell. He had something to say. You see, the same God who saved him was now ready to use him. And the same is true for all of us. The same God who saved us, this is what God's process is. We don't get saved and then just hang out till heaven. We're saved to be sent. Which means believers, you, me, we 
We are God's voice. Romans 10, 14. What did Paul say? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they haven't heard? you got to hear, right? Unless you hear the message, you don't know what decision to make. You don't even know there is a decision. And then look at the rest of what, what Paul says. And how shall they hear without a preacher, a witness, or someone sharing, telling? Their story, their testimony. In closing, like Isaiah, God is calling you. Those of you watching this broadcast, those of us gathered here, He is calling us to take a step of faith. A step of faith of service. A step of faith with the unknown to you can be intimidating, but it's not unknown to God. That's why the Lord is not intimidated by anything. When God touched Isaiah, do you know what happened? He was equipped to touch others. Just like Abraham, God touched him and birthed a nation through that man. God touched Moses, Moses, and he led a nation out of slavery through that man. God touched Gideon and he was able to defeat with 300 soldiers the Midianite armies. God touched Elijah and he broke down the altars of Baal and restored worship. And the Lord touched the woman at the well and she went as an evangelist telling her story. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. What am I saying? God is standing here and He's petitioning. He's calling us to speak and to be used and to serve on His behalf. Which means, in His eyes and from His perspective, our greatest days are before us. Our greatest days for Him. Nothing compares when you bless God, He'll bless you. When you honor God, He'll honor you. When you serve Him, He will provide for you. You can't outdo the Lord. Whatever we give to Him, Scriptures say it will come back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God honors faithfulness. He does. He honors those that will stand in the gap and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Send me. It's time for the next level of faith. It's time for the next opportunity. And it's time for the next miracle. Until you take the leap of faith, you'll never know what will follow your next. Amen? How many are ready to say yes when God looks at you and says next? Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Father, like Isaiah, we want to be found ready and willing. Lord, we know that it's your will to use us. So, Father, even before you say next, we say yes, Lord. We make room for you. 
We want to be used by you. So Lord, let it begin by a surrender of our hearts, our lives, our priorities right now. In Jesus' name, we say yes to Jesus. And we say yes to serving you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.